What in the world is going on? Hello, world. I'm Greg Patton. How are you today? Well, I don't know about your neck of the woods, but down in Tri-Cities, Tennessee, they're having the Sherathon here this week. Therefore, we're doing a special edition Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week for Hello World. Some devotional thoughts from the Word of God, and that will not hurt us. It'll not be a regular news broadcast, of course, but some things that God has laid upon our heart. Boy, we've been doing this a long time. 44 years saved, 31 years here at the same church. Before that, we did, and during that time, evangelism around the country, sharing the Word of God. I attended Bob Jones University and served as staff evangelist for 10 years at the independent, fundamental, KJV-only church, Roanoke Baptist in Roanoke, Indiana. And then 31 years ago, God launched us out in our own church. We started one. We're still there today. It's called The Cross, independent, fundamental, non-denominational. Come join us sometime if you're ever in Fort Wayne, Indiana. That's The Cross. Northeast part of the state there of Indiana, a lot of people familiar with the second biggest city in the state of Indiana, right here, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Now, just a little bit about what we are and what we're doing. And I'll say again, this week, we're thrilled. We're going to be preaching in some Baptist churches down in the Tri-City area, and we're going to be doing share Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. It started this morning at 7 o'clock, trying to raise money, So, which is a good plug for this Christian radio station. I want to let you know that you need to pray for this station, support this station in any way possible. Of course, telling everybody you know about the station so they too will tune in daily here. Thanking God for WMIK here and the entire staff and uh, the church that uh, sponsors this station. It's a big deal. Well, let's do something from the Word of God right now. So the question is, do I need to make wise choices? You're, you're kidding, right? No question about it. The Lord wants you to make wise choices in your Christian walk today. But choices that follow his will aren't always compatible with the way of the world, the way they do business. For instance, some people may be surprised that the foundational concept of God's financial plan is to give rather than to save or invest. When the average person decides how much to donate toward charity or something like this Christian radio station, he considers his income versus expenses and chooses an amount that he feels comfortable with. In contrast, a sacrificial offering can mean a believer follows the Holy Spirit's leading to pledge resources beyond his means, really. Initially, some Christians may feel worried about exercising their faith in that way, but thankfully, God has promised to meet his children's needs, Philippians 4.19, and he is totally trustworthy in this. God's financial plan differs from many we see in the world, but his principles have proven effective. The Bible and church history show for thousands of years, God's followers have chosen to give from a compassionate heart and a sacrificial spirit. You keep it up. It's a winning way. So do you remember it like it was yesterday when you were saved? I do. Such a dramatic event. December the 31st, 1973, invited by a 16-year-old kid to a um, New Year's Eve party. More correctly, a watch night service at the Baptist Church, I-74 Baptist Church, just outside of Indianapolis, Indiana. What a time that was. I can remember people and faces and words that were said. I remember it all. Salvation 
takes place at a certain moment in time. But it's far more than just a one-time decision, isn't it? The Holy Spirit wants to live the life of Jesus Christ through you. And that involves prayer and reading the Bible and giving and sharing your faith and helping others and believing the promises of God. But, you know, too many of us start off really strong, don't they? And somehow they kind of drift away before we grow deep and effective in our walk with Him. I think it's pretty easy in life to drift. Are you reading your Bible less than you used to now? Are you regularly finding reasons to put things off spiritually until tomorrow? One day probably turned into months, and as you became just too busy in this old world, it all ended. For that matter, you aren't praying the way you used to either. A quick supplication, the way to work is often your total daily interaction with God, other than those little, oh, emergency prayers. The next door neighbor's uh, daughter was in that car crate. Well, you know how that works. That's when there's a close call. Maybe there is an urgent need. Of course you're going to go to God then. Maybe you used to kneel by the bedside and pour your heart out to God, but now there's just no time. I'm really busy today, aren't we? And at the end of the day, you collapse into bed exhausted, and you're off to la-la land. If things have really deteriorated, you may have stopped tithing, or maybe you don't go to church at all anymore. The spiritual world doesn't seem that real to you anymore. You don't sense God's presence the way you once did. Perhaps you feel somehow you've outgrown your faith or moved away from Christianity that you don't identify with it anymore. I remember when I first got saved, my dad, and he had a lot of problems. When I first got saved, went and told him about my salvation experience. He said, it'll be all right. He said, that happened to me when I was a kid, and it'll take about two weeks, and you'll get back to reality and back to normalcy. Really, Dad? Oh, my friend, it happens to so many. Don't have the real thing really there. And when you so sporadically go to church, you feel out of sync with your old friends there and the people as if there are people from a different time and a different place in your life. Being around them has become more and more awkward, and you're not sure who has changed. Have you changed, or has the church changed? You know, if you can relate to what I've just described, then you should know two things, and they're important. First, you're not alone. This situation is unfortunately more common than you might think. And secondly, let's just admit it, we are drifting away from God. Drifting is a dangerous thing in your Christian walk. When we lack direction, we don't simply stagnate. We continue to move, usually in a very unhealthy direction. Reading in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, For this reason we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty— how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? What a great question. After it was first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Again, Hebrews chapter 2, first four verses. It's easy, really is, because drifting takes no effort at all. Staying the course, on the other hand, requires enormous energy. But thankfully, the Holy Spirit will enable us to yield to Him. What do you think so far? You know, at some point, all of us, those who have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, 
have no doubt cooled off a bit from our original devotion to God. I've listened to many people tell me about how they wandered away from God, and I just found myself questioning the Lord, I guess, and the next thing I knew I was drifting downstream, and I was out of His will, and the purpose and plan for my life was gone, and, you know, I I don't know exactly how or what happened to me. Neglecting our spiritual life is one of the main causes of drifting. You know, as you read Hebrews 2.3, ask, how will I escape? How can I stop from drifting if I neglect this great salvation that God's given me? You see, being saved involves not only a single moment in time, but also a day-to-day sanctification. It's true that when we make a commitment to Christ, the Holy Spirit seals us as a child of God forever. Salvation is far more than just a confession or a one-time repentance. It's a purifying experience that lasts a lifetime. Read Philippians 2.12. Think of a ship drifting past the harbor. The captain is asleep and his vessel is on its way to a shipwreck. This is a good description of what happens to aimless believers. I mean, when we become drowsy in our Christian walk, we're not alert. We begin to neglect the things that are very important to us. We're no longer on guard. We're not at the helm like we should be. We're not cautious about what's going on around us or how we're responding. And before we realize what's happened, we can be a shipwreck. I mean, our life can be a mess. Any of this sound familiar, my friend? If it does, we need to do some things. We need to get back to God. You ought to seek his forgiveness for the way you've been acting, the way you have been living. Yeah, ask God to forgive you and then uh, pray to the Holy Spirit about getting back on the right track. He will help you do exactly that. We'll talk in specifics tomorrow, but I continue to talk about my big five. I emphasize it all the time around Christian people. I certainly do it in church about every other Sunday. How important it is that you every day read your Bible. Some people struggle on that, and I suggest like the daily bread to get at least five minutes of uh, time with God through reading something, a portion of Scripture, ten minutes. Uh, The illustration, it's just excellent. Our daily bread. I was weaned on that 44 years ago, still hanging in there with it, my friend. So, yeah, read the Bible and some devotion to go along with that. You've got to do that. And then prayer. Beyond those emergency prayers that I talked about, you and I need to talk to God every day. 24-7, pray without what? The Bible says pray without ceasing. And then serving God. You just can't be isolated. You're not an island. You were not born to be an island. You may have some point in your life, but I'll tell you what, after you get saved, you realize that others count very, very much in the eyes of God. So give yourself to others in some way. And uh, it might be something as simple as buying some groceries or giving some money here or taking someone to the store or any number of things. Serve God. Then you need fellowship. Yeah, my bad old days, I hung with bad people. In the good days of Christ, now I'm with Christ people. You know exactly what I'm talking about, and you know who you're hanging with, right? And then church. It has been my lifeblood since day one of salvation. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Every church has problems. You're looking for a good one? Uh, I tell people, hey, if you find a good one, you stay out of it because you're going to ruin it. Just trying to throw a bit of humor in there, but it's true. You've got to give yourself unreservedly. People are people. They're always going to be troubles, but do what you can with what you have where you are. So 
hang in there in that church unless there's some violation of Scripture and there's a big problem, and that can happen too. But by and large, those are just excuses. Get in church, my friend, one that teaches and preaches the Word of God. And then here is something that I have uh, preached for, oh, a long time. Let's see. Keep your eyes on the prize. Focus. Come on now. Focus. So is it called drifting or backsliding? It's easy for Christians to do. You've got to stay in the Word. You've got to stay in prayer. You've got to fellowship with other Christians. You've got to be involved in the local church. These things are so important for you and I to stay on track. Having experience of 27 years living in the world and loving every part of it, all the problems that I had thought were actual, all the problems I had I thought were actual pluses, and boy, after I got saved, I found out different, my friend. But uh, yeah, you can't do it. You can't take things for granted. You can't get excited at your salvation experience and get ready to set the world on fire, and two weeks later, you've already started to drift. Where is your anchor? Unless we stay on course, we're going to pay the consequences. Throughout my career as a pastor and prior to that an evangelist, I've seen many people in this situation, and there's a, a real recognizable pattern of drifting. Let me share a couple of things of what happens to you and me in this thing called drifting. Your conscience becomes numb. Sure it does. When you start drifting, you begin to ignore your conscience. At, at first, you have an internal warning system. It pricks you, letting you know, hey, something's not right here. It sends you a message. Well, then comes another one. But you continually excuse what you're doing and where you're headed. You ignore all the warning signs, and gradually you desensitize your conscience so that it no longer bothers you. When that happens, you're heading for difficulty. I describe it in church. What happened there? You missed that midweek service, if your church has one, or whatever service. And, and then the next time it's a little bit easier, and so on and so forth. And the next thing, I really don't need to go to church. Come on now. How about stepping out of God's will? As you drift, you're going to step out of the Lord's will into a life of sin again. This may sound harsh to you, but choosing to walk away from the truth of the Word of God, which says ye shall know the truth, and it will set you free. you got to know the Word, right? If you walk away from the truth of God's Word, it amounts to setting foot into some type of transgression. Just because your conscience isn't blaring does not mean that the behavior or the activity that you're into is okay. Once you've trusted Jesus as Savior, you know that the Holy Spirit is there deep within. You can deaden yourself to the fact that you can't even hear Him anymore. But when that's the case, you are in serious, serious trouble. Your conscience numbs you out of the will of God. And then you shrink from spiritual things, don't you know? What happens is very simple, and it's uh, quite natural. You start living in denial. If your conscience bothers you, you rationalize your behavior. 1 John 2.28 says, Now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. Why would you shrink away from things in the Christian life that are meant to bring you real joy and real happiness? Because you have drifted and you're off course. And then you lose your ability to hear God anymore. You lose your ability to hear him. You're not going to lose salvation, but you can fall into sin of unbelief, Hebrews 3.12, and lose your capacity to hear Almighty God. 
The farther away you fall, the less you're going to hear, and the longer you drift, the more difficult it will be for you to hear God without an anchor in Jesus Christ. It's easy to invite destructive thoughts and habits that blur your vision of God and deafen your ear to Him. So your conscience goes numb, you step out of the will of God, you shrink away from spiritual things, and you just lose that hearing ability. Then you suffer internally, not externally. When you choose to let your fellowship with God go away, and you cease reading the Word of God, and you cease attending church, you change physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. I mean, every area of your life is affected, and as you wander away from what you know to be important in your life, you'll experience guilt, which brings about tension and stress. And oh, Satan and his demons love this. Then the more you linger without direction, the harder you will have to work to cover that guilt, especially if you live around somebody who's godly. Consider, for example, the righteous wife whose husband ventures into immorality. Every time he comes home, he feels guilt. Stress mounts. His sin causes tension, causes anxiety. Guilt brings about anger and hurt. The deceitfulness of sin is like termites inside of a man eating away at the peace and contentment he once knew. And then your drifting, I believe, grieves the heart of God. The Bible talks about grieving the Spirit, does it not? In Ephesians 4.30, don't do it. A lot of people wander away from the Lord thinking they have everything under control. But horrible destruction can occur in their life because there's an unavoidable penalty when you drift from God. And it grieves his heart more than we could possibly ever know. And then you miss God's best. What kind of a plan does the Heavenly Father have for you, do you know? The best plan possible, because He loves you very, very much, so it's going to be the best. Yet, unfortunately, believers sometimes drift at the most strategic time in their life. They can actually be distracted by how well things are going. A person can be healthy, successful in relationships, and thriving financially. But I'm telling you, my friend, don't miss an awesome opportunity. If you don't turn to what God's trying to do in your life, you are going to drift. Do you want God's best? Well, what are you doing to get it? Perhaps you think maybe one of these days things will just work out. But guess what? It doesn't happen. It doesn't work out. We have to make an effort to follow the Lord and listen carefully to His wisdom. And don't push away from those who love you the most. The drifting process leads you farther and farther from where you should be until you don't want to go back anymore. And at that point, you've lost your sense of direction where you were spiritually. You don't hear God anymore. His presence is gone. That's a terrible place to be in. What's more, sailing along without direction changes a person. When your relationship with God is affected, so are your actions. You may spend your money in different ways and your time with different people. You may alter how you make decisions and rethink your likes and dislikes and preferences and your prejudices. Sadly, when you walk away from God, you also take a walk from the very people that he's put into your life to love you and to, yes, care for you. And two more and I'm done. You have a negative impact on others, don't you? The Lord wants you to be the salt and the light. So he disciplines us when we go astray. Hebrews 12, 6, 7, and 8, and Hebrews 12, 10. If you don't think you have an impact on anybody else, think again. You absolutely do. When the husband, the father, and the family dress 
It affects everybody in that household, often leading the children down an unhealthy path. And, and what about other authorities, such as teachers, employers, public figures? When they deviate from righteousness, the people who admire or hope to please them tend to follow suit. It's important to ask yourself, what kind of an impact am I having on others around me? And then uh, don't let this happen, my friend. You leave your life in ruins. What a legacy. There's one really big consequence. It's the last one of drifting. You make a shipwreck of your life. Sometimes a believer will make such poor decisions that even though God forgives them, his life may never be what he'd hoped it to be. God willing, that won't happen, and thankfully the Lord can pick up the pieces of your life no matter how broken you are today. The Bible gives us a clear warning today about wandering away from Almighty God and His righteousness. Now is a good time today to take an honest look at your life. If you are drifting, and it's possible today, I pray that you're going to be wise enough today to stop. You stop. Let God put you back on course, on course for His best all the days of the rest of your life. Throw out the anchor. And be ready, reading your Bible, praying, serving God, fellowshipping with others, and in church. You've got to do it. It'll stop that drifting right now. Wow, that lifting weights, what's it called, power lifting, it really paid off. A Michigan man was hailed as a hero after he helped a man who was pinned underneath a two-ton SUV. Ryan Belcher, 29 years old, was at the end of his workday when he heard a loud crash outside. He explained to Fox and Friends that he noticed a Jeep Cherokee flipped upside down, and he rushed outside toward the wreckage. When he got there, he found a man trapped underneath the vehicle calling for help. When I first approached the vehicle, there was a good four men there, and they were trying to move this vehicle, and I saw that it wasn't happening, and I figured, what better time now than to use what I could actually do, said Belcher. This guy is 350 pounds with the ability to squat 950 pounds and deadlift another 800. Noticed he could get some leverage on the vehicle to try to move it off the man's lower body. Still inside the vehicle, his upper body smashed up against a speed limit sign. What a mess. I just jumped right in, he said. I seen a window that was broken out in the back of the vehicle. I knew I could swing the vehicle in a certain direction. I can free him from that pole. So I just stuck out my arms and, I don't know, I just grabbed it, he said, lifted it up and started pushing. And all I heard was, that's enough. We got him. Isn't that great? The man Belcher saved and another woman suffered serious injuries in the crash. No fatalities. Belcher said he met with a man and his family over the weekend and was praised for his heroic actions. Well, I guess so. That is tip of the hat to Ryan Belcher. And some words from people you never heard of, like Constant Wu. I think half or almost all of the pain in the world is people not feeling seen. It's like Mr. Rogers, my hero, says, love is the root of everything. Love, or the lack of it. Steve Martin, comedian. Thankfully, perseverance is a great substitute for talent. Grace, is a consequence of humility and free education. Well, it's abundant. It's all over the internet. It's the desire to learn that's scarce. Wow, those are some great 
thoughts and true, don't you think? Wanting to hear something from last week's program or last month or last year? GregPatton.com, G-R-E-G, Patton, P-A-T-T-E-N, and uh, iTunes there. Get whatever you want, my friend, and download that podcast. And like us on Facebook every day. More and more people joining. Greg, G-R-E-G, Patton, P-A-T-T-E-N. It would be a blessing to have you join us, my friend. And that's it for another day. Hello World comes your way each day at this time, Monday through Friday, and we're grateful to this station for carrying the broadcast. Until tomorrow, same time, same place, you enjoy the remainder of your day.